And we are down to the end today. So if you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we are in Ecclesiastes, the last chapter of Ecclesiastes. That's kind of right in the middle of your Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's after Psalms and Proverbs. And then there in Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. And, and it's really, it's, it's been a fantastic book for me personally in studying and in thinking and in, in, in meditating on because, because it's about the key issues of your life. Must have wisdom. Really amazing, important stuff. Don't be a fool. And if the message seems hard, well, you know what? I'd rather have the red pill. I'd rather have the truth than to be faking a lie. Now, that's, that's not true of, of everyone. Many people just pretend, right? Pretend that their life is going great, that everything is getting stronger and better, and with the right amount of elbow grease and the brakes that handle rightly and will ask God for those good brakes, then life will get better and better for us. And this wise writer, we don't even know that he's Solomon, and that goes along with the book because his whole message is you'll be forgotten. This wise writer, he looks and he says, uh, no. Right? And it culminates today. Today we first consider the end. This final word is about the end. The end of the book, but also the end of your life. The road to death. Not death itself, we've already looked at that. It's looming, it's happening to everybody. But what about the road? Because we're all on it. And so I want to embrace that with you, this final final nail of wisdom and what it means for you and me, how it brings hope and joy and, and, and freedom and not bondage and despair. So hold on, and let's go. Chapter 12. We start to consider death first. Consider. And it's considering the aging process happening to everybody. So here it is. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Chapter 12, verse 1. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. So, so this is the final chapter. It starts with this bang. So, so you're not dead, but when you're young, when, wherever you are right now, think about this. He says, remember your Creator. Before it happens, have you ever heard, you know, start with the end in mind? Saying, don't be foolish. Think about the pathway to the end. Because the reality is, you're on a rudderless raft on a river. You're insignificant in determining how your life will go. And how it will end and what you will accomplish. And I don't like that. And maybe you don't even believe that. I just said it like it's true. But remember your creator is a statement of you're not in control. Why do I say that? Because things will go downhill, things will decay. Here comes old age. Just start reading it. You probably are familiar with this passage. It's a famous passage. But let's go a little bit at a time and just see what he's saying. Here we go. Before the sun, the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. Right? He says, the outlook is not good. When clouds return after the rain, you're not like going, how cool. Oh yeah, we need rain. Here comes the cloud. No, now it's rain, and the clouds come back. Wait, I don't want clouds now. I want sunshine because I got the rain. 
No. Here it comes. And the keepers, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they're few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, they're going, okay, he's just talking. No, 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 he's, this is amazing. He's talking about how your body changes. You get that, right? In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, those are your legs. Your legs keep you standing up. And when you start not being able to stand up and you're taking little steps because you might fall down. When the strong men are bent, that's your back and your shoulders. You know what happens as you get older? You get shorter. I used to be 6'4". Slowly things shrink, and as you shrink, you, sh- you get bent, and the grinders cease because they are few. Uh-huh. What happens to your teeth? They start to go. Pretty soon, you're gnawing on gums. That happens to us. Those who look through the windows are dim. He's talking about your eyes. You start having cataracts. You can't see. He's saying, this happens to you. As time goes on, you don't get better. You're on this glide path down. He keeps going. And the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. This is an ode to the pathway and the glide path towards your demise and it's about you getting worse, right? The doors on the street are shut, the sound of the grinding is low. You can't hear anymore. You start out as a young person with amazing hearing, and it slowly goes away over time. That's just it, right? I know I'll speak. I'll speak louder so you can hear me, old people. Right? I have to do that for myself. Slowly our high frequency hearing goes away, and, and one rises up at the sound of a bird. You do know many people struggle with having to get up at night. All of a sudden, you, you, you wake up like that. Little noises wake you up. The daughters of song are brought low. You don't have the voice you used to have to sing or to make beautiful melodies. Now you've got an age raspy voice. It's like, whoa, dude, this guy's pessimistic. No, he's real. This is going to happen to you. Right? And they're afraid of what is high. And, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along. And desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about in the streets. Each piece, right? They're afraid of what is high. All of a sudden as you get older, you don't want to go down the stairs anymore. I'm afraid. I'm afraid I might fall. The almond tree blossoms. Yeah, your hair gets white. The grasshopper drags itself along. Have you ever seen the grasshopper? It can't jump anymore. Now it's like frail and arthritic and it's trying to scrape itself along the ground. It's talking about us. We're going. This is where it's going. And desire fails. No comment. Because man is going to his eternal home. Because this is the way you get there. The way is you look in your young and you feel and you look ahead and you realize, you know what? It's it's not I, I pray, God, please don't let me have arthritis. Please keep my eyesight good. Please keep my vision well. Please keep me strong. Lord, I don't wanna I don't want to experience all these things, but this is the pathway that everybody's on. That's that's the way to be in your eternal home. It's not up. It's down, and before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel is broken at the cistern. 
What is he talking about? All the ways you can die. Finally, death happens. Your brain stem doesn't work anymore. Or, or, or you don't breathe, the pitch is shattered. You don't breathe, your lungs that normally fill in and up with air 15,000 times a day. Or the wheel is broken in the cistern. The wheel is what makes the, everything circulate. It's called your heart in your body. <laughs> Number one cause of death, right? Your, your wheel breaks. You don't pump anymore. This is all ways. This is all coming to you and me. And the dust returns to the earth as it was. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. So this is observation, wisdom, truth. And here it is. The glide path is down. Not up. Down. Not a happy call as I think about, why is it not a happy call? I'm going to my eternal home. It's not a happy call because I don't like it. I, Dax, wants to be strong. I and the rest of our society, we idolize youth, right? It's wonderful. So he says, when you are young, remember that that glide path is down. Absurd if life is finding personal significance in your strength, in your achievements, in your accomplishments. We've been through all of this in Ecclesiastes. You don't climb, you descend. You cannot establish worth and value and control. Vanity is to rely on your own estimation of your abilities. They're going down. So don't live in denial, right? See the end result of all your effort to accomplish, and it's all, all vanity. You think you even have a shred of strength that's absurd. There's no hope for lasting meaning or purpose. (coughs) Again, it's not about, oh, I just want to make you pessimistic. It's that we have dreams, there are dreams, and we have this absurd thinking that we have control of it. And we don't. So I want to show you a clip. I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, huge on movie clips, and I'm not endorsing the studio or anything like that. But this captures, it's, it's about a young couple, and they, they fall in love, and they have youth and joy, and they, 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 they have dreams, and they're watching clouds, and they're climbing hills, and, 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 and they, they had this one particular dream, and they put it on hold because they want to fix their house, and then, and then they put it on hold because they want to have kids. But then they couldn't have kids. And if they couldn't have kids, and the, the wife's in this deep depression. And they remember the dream they had when she was a kid. This amazing dream. So I want to show you this clip. It's from the movie Up. Watch it with me. If we can get the lights a little bit down. It's, it's a couple minutes. So settle in and, and feel it in, this, in the sense of dreams. And do we get what we want? There's the dream to go to Venezuela, right? And we'll work toward it.
the life of adventure. And we have it, right? We have this idea that we're going to do things, and, and I thought it captured it super well. It's, and we get sidetracked. And they're not bad things we get sidetracked in. They're good things, but they're not our things. And, and then you don't, oh, you finally got me to go to do the things I wanted. And then, oh, it's time to die. That's this thought, right? Remember your creator. He's got a plan for you. You're on a river you don't even know. Enjoy the moment because you don't know what the next week brings. And it may not bring that thing that you've cherished in your heart, but it brings something amazing because life is amazing. You can catch it, right? There's this bittersweetness to it because I I want to attain the thing that I want and I don't always get it. So as soon as you embrace the truth that as you can, that the glide path is down, that the better it is, and that's what he's saying, knowing this when you're young is super helpful. You'll realize your insignificance. Life is to be lived along the way, and it is amazing and miraculous, but loss of control is the reality, and we, we embrace it. I mean, that's my story, right? I was a medical doctor and, and, and thought, oh, I'll go serve over here, but the Lord put me a whole different path, and... I got to have two amazing kids. And, but, but if you would have told me when I was in university that this was my life, I would have said, you're crazy. And how many of us would say the same thing? So, so considering that you don't have control, and, and this is the end of you and me on earth, and we go down and not up, and we know it doesn't end there, right? I mean, he, that, that's what he actually said there. He, he said... How does he say it? We're going to our eternal home. It's a rare thing the Hebrew Bible even mentions eternity. And the wise writer of Ecclesiastes points right at it. Right, So there's a book on wisdom. So let's embrace the end of the book as well as the end of life. That's our glide path. We have this perspective. But now the very end of the book, which is, which is right here. So besides being wise... The frame steps back, and now he's not speaking anymore. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. That sounds like Solomon, doesn't it? The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. So his acknowledgement that he's a wise man, not just of books, but of life, and his proverbs are just careful and intentional and not haphazard, thoughtful and meticulous and and then balanced, right? He sought to find words of delight. He's not just trying to be a downer. He's intelligent, receiving and giving wisdom. He's learning and teaching. He's not a bookworm. He's street smart. He understood how to navigate life in a fallen world. He cared a lot about the truth and learned and, 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 and taught. The words of the wise are like goads. Like nails, firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there's no end. Much study is weariness in the flesh. He says, so as, as he closes this book down, he says, watch out. You think you can get around this simple, straight, clear, clean statement that your life goes down and you die. You have no, no control. You, you need to enjoy your life, but don't try and say, well, well, if I can philosophize around this, I can find a special way. I can study. There's a lot of books out there. You won't find anything different than this. 
There is no workaround. If you just knew more, if you could find more meaning and strength and power and control, like your knowledge will bring the ability to guide the raft of the river that you're racing down. I don't care, he says. I don't care for Elon Musk developing space flight. His teeth are going to fall out. Why do I say that? Because mine are too. That's humanness. And that's, that's where they're going. There's not another message. Famous C.S. Lewis scene, right, with, with the Chronicles of Narnia where the lion Aslan, he kind of represents Jesus, and he's standing there by a river, and one of the girls is saying, man, I'm really thirsty. I want to go take a, a drink, but you're really scary. I, you, will you leave, please? He says, no. He says, well, then I'm going to go find another stream. And Jesus, the lion, says, there is no other stream. This is the truth. That's this. This is the truth. So, okay, I'm going to grab hold of this truth. And he sums it up in light of all that's been said, in light of the absurdity in all of our efforts. The very end of the book are these two verses. And here they are. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Okay, let that sink in for a minute. Life goes down. There's no meaning in fortune or fame or accomplishment or achievement. There's no lasting strength. There's no control. There's only God, and he is in control. So fear him and obey him. This is, of course, your duty. And, and by the way, this is the afterlife. He will bring everything into judgment. No secret things. And you say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Couldn't you have just told me that at the beginning and we could be done? I mean, that's like the most passe thing ever. Fear and obey God. Um, I, I just want to say that I knew that going into Ecclesiastes. Right? Doesn't ever... I mean... Uh, no, 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 wait. He says that, but he's saying it in a perspective, right? It's not a perspective which we have as we say the words. He's, he's framed it all for us so that we can say the words and know what he means. When he says the words, he's not saying, fear God and impress him. He's already destroyed that. He says that you can't. He says there's no righteous person. He says this is all absurd. He says there's no actual meaning to be gained from your personal code of living. And that makes me mad. I did that because I don't want a lightning bolt. But it does. I want to get to Venezuela. God doesn't reward the good and destroy the, the evil. The perspective of Ecclesiastes has been everybody's evil. He's said that several times. So why end like this? Because it's the greatest revealed wisdom he has. I, I want to make sure you see it. I want to make sure you frame it, right? The greatest revealed wisdom he has, skillful living. There, there is a unique power who created you and is in control of everything, and you are not. 
He sees the thoughts and intentions of the heart, even though you can't understand his heart, what he's doing and why. This is the wisdom of Solomon. Even though he is so far above you and you are insignificant, he exists. Right? He will bring everything you do into judgment. His judgment. So, the wisest counsel I can give you, says this man, be on his side. Duh. But do what he wants. That's the whole deal. You get that, right? He's not saying it. This is Solomon speaking from the Old Testament. He hasn't had, Jesus Christ has not come. This is what he's saying. He's he's not saying, do this because God adores you. Same thing like, oh, God just loves you, wants what's best for you, so obey him and fear. No. He's saying there's a creator you know. He made you. He's so far over you, you can't even discern what he is, but he sees everything you're doing and he'll judge it. So therefore, obey him and fear him. Judgment is ahead. You know, for a great deal of my youth and adult life, I don't know about you, I lived like this was the final word. I think so many people live like this is the final word. They either rebel against it or they try and do it. They forget the rest of Ecclesiastes and just grab on to, okay, I need to obey and fear God because then as he judges me, he'll say, thumbs up, Dax. You are way better than that dummy who's next to you. You made it over the line. And say, oh, no, no, that's non-Christian. No, I was thinking that as a Christian. Like, God, is he really, does he really care for me? And the reason why is because he's so big and I'm so nothing and I want to be on his side, so I'll do some things that will keep him on my side because he's the most powerful being ever. And if he's on my side, oh, I'll get to Venezuela. I'll get anywhere. So at this, everything I do will be judged idea. There's fear and obey, full stop, and I want to embrace this end as the end of Ecclesiastes. It's the final word on wise living under the sun. It's finding value and the push you see, why it's amazing, and it is amazing because it's so clear and it's so clean and there's no victims and there's no like, oh, but, and, or if. There's just do this. It's the end of the matter after considering that our capacities and our abilities are zippo. Right? So that's what I do, and that's what I watch people do all the time. They then take the whole book. We've spent weeks and weeks, we spent months on this book. And they throw away everything we've said and just focus on that line. Okay, now I know what to do. Fear and obey because of judgment. Like, like I can. Right? If, if you're continually looking to you, into your own capacities and abilities, the deepest, most ultimate judgment of your entire life is resting on your shoulders. Are you obeying and are you fearing? And, and so you're threatened with lostness if you're not followed. This demands perfection. It, it's pass-fail, it's not in between, right? Did you, did you fear God? Did you obey God? Because he's going to judge everything. Even the secret things that you think nobody sees, he's judging that. 
If you've been around our church at all, you know the answer to that question. The answer is you fail. None of us should say, good, there's light at the end of the tunnel. From Ecclesiastes there, when he says, this is your duty, fear God and obey Him. If the, if the, if the determining thing is, have you, there's a God and He will judge And so he's taken this wisdom, he's pushed it into you, so you you have no hope in you, but you have a duty to fear God and do what he says. This is life under something called the law. It's the oughts of life. Do more and try harder and fix yourself up. It's up to you. It's conditionality. You better not make a mistake. Judgment is coming. And you are a failure. By the way, you're also on descent. And you're going to die. And then comes judgment, and there's no hope in the judgment. Solomon, Solomon, who is the character we're thinking, Solomon, tell me about your thousand wives in direct disobedience to God's word. You see what's happened? You see what he's done? How insignificant we are. How powerless and evil and wrong and unrighteous and dying. And the glide path is like a slide into the mud where you return to the dust. And therefore, and therefore, and therefore, don't, don't lose me now. And therefore, you're ready. You're ready with me. Ready for what? I don't understand. Are you saying this isn't right? It isn't true? Oh no, it's true. The very best wisdom you can get about your life under the sun. And so you're ready for God's final word. This is not God's final word. This is the end of the matter as he looks at life and he tries to get, can I make it somewhere? And the answer is no. And, but but there, there's going to come actual wisdom from God embodied in a person. The one who says he is the word. The one who in the Bible in Hebrew says all of creation is held together by the word of his power. He's holding everything together. Who's the exact representation of God. And it's not Solomon. It's not this man. Oh, Jesus Christ affirms Ecclesiastes. You must be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. You remember the Sermon on the Mount, right? But but there's something brand new that Jesus brings in. It's not contradictory. It's fulfilling. It's making full. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect representation of the Father. And he brings this message. You have no control. That's right. You ought to obey. That's right. You do not. That's the truth. And, wait for it, God incarnate says, I love you. He is God. And he says, I love you. I don't just love you. I'm going to show you what love is. I die for you. My blood covers you. And you're clean and right and true in me. I choose you. You're forgiven. Because of me, he says. This is God's word. His name is Jesus. And you need Ecclesiastes or you have your nose on some other path. Some other book, some other way of self-improvement, self-realization, self-orientation, some pathway to climb and impress and achieve. And Ecclesiastes says, and Jesus affirms, no, that's a dead door. You can't go there. It's not going to help you. You're on the decline. Ecclesiastes' word of wisdom is the law. 
And wisdom's right look at the law is it's hopeless. Perfection or fail and you fail. Absolute judgment on our deeds. That's what God's going to do. That's the clear word here. And if you want to take a chance and say, no, my, my deeds are good. Good enough to stand before God. Would you please tell me after church so I can be praying for you? Because it's terrible. So this is one of my favorite quotes of Robert Capon. He says, if the world could have lived its way to salvation, it would have long ago. The fact is it can only die its way there lose its way there. That's what Ecclesiastes is actually starting to point to, right? Because it says you're, you're going down, the whole track of your life is down, and all the world out there is saying, no, it's about getting higher and better and stronger and more moral and all these things. And we're like, no, no, actually it's about going down because our hope is in the resurrection of the dead. The dead. That's me. And that's why Ecclesiastes is good news because we're dying and the final wisdom is Jesus comes and he does what we can't do. He actually fears God and obeys. He, he has another way, a totally new way that proclaims God loves the least and the little and the lost and that's us. You cannot and you don't and you have no control and, and, and they didn't get it. You're not alone if you're going, wow, that, that's kind of a take on Ecclesiastes. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what the Jews said too, right? That's what Paul said in Romans 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is they may be saved. I either not yet, but I bear them witness. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Do you get it? You stay on that path to say, yeah, I can make it. It's a pathway where you end up hiding. You end up thinking that you're making it and you're not. You'll be in denial. You'll be a judger. You'll be all these things. And instead we say, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus has the final word. His blood for you. In fact, Romans 10, the passage ends with this verse. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Oh, you're free. Free with all of your badness and sin because Jesus covers it all. The real hope is found when you die. The real hope is found when you abandon your self-improvement as a means to good standing and righteousness of your own. You find it in Jesus. Solomon's wisdom is true. But Jesus embraces it and shows why real wisdom in that setting applied is you dying and receiving the final word that Jesus Christ adores you. That's what I hope you've received even today. By the way, we see that in Matthew, right? We see the idea that Solomon came and Solomon was so amazing and his wisdom was high. But you know what? When Jesus came, it was higher. Who says that? Jesus does. Right? The queen of the south, that's the queen of Sheba, right? Will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. His name's Jesus. And the ought has become, it is finished. And what we see in Ecclesiastes is a pathway to a life that is really free. Instead of carrying the weight and guilt and worry and anxiety of, you should do better. 
Right? You have the news that you can't control. You can't carry. You can't direct. You can't read the tea leaves. And you certainly can't judge. And this sounds hopeless and weak, but amazingly it's not because you can lay that burden down at the feet of one who actually can control, who does love you more than you know. I sat with someone this week who was crying as his marriage has fallen apart. And he's so sad about his failure as a dad. Just fear God and obey Him. He knew it. And it hadn't worked. And if the response of the Christian community is, try harder, and that's what you're receiving from other people, man, I call you to find the cross. Because you take that weight of, I should have done better. And you stop. And you put it at the cross. He paid for that. You're not who you should be in some personal standard that you're saying as opposed to God who actually knows you and loves you and says, I've got you, kid. You don't even understand what my plans are for you. You don't understand as that tire blows. You don't understand as the roof caves in. You don't understand. I know exactly what I'm doing with you, and I love you. That's our trust, right? You can put that burden at the feet of Jesus. He is the judge and the lover of you and he takes the least and the lost and he brings beauty from ashes and your life will not be the same. Not because somehow you'll improve now and that transformation will be some sort of like you go around with a halo. (laughs) Welcome to my world that that never seems to happen. But I know he loves me. I'll not be the same because I actually breathe and live and enjoy the day knowing that I'm the branch, right? Not the gardener. I'm a seed, not the planter. I'm the coin, not the searcher. I'm the crazy, stupid son that wishes his dad was dead, not the loving dad. I'm the guy broken on the side of the road, not the good Samaritan. Your father embraces you at this amazing, crazy, I don't understand it, with love and joy and says, I paid for you, kid. Will you trust me? He's got you. You're forgiven. This secret and hidden wisdom of God. That's what we read this morning in 2 Corinthians. It's not the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world is like, let me give you 12 steps to be a better dad. Let me give you 15 steps to be a better person. Let me, let me give you the disciplines and the formation and the soul care so you get to be a better... That's all the world. We got this secret hidden wisdom. It says there is growth in dependence as we hold hands together that Jesus Christ adores us and he's got us and he will not let us go. And as dreams come and go and as life seems down, 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 Christ is for you and his love and his forgiveness and his hope and his peace forever and ever, not based on your works, based on his. That's where we stand. Would you receive that today? Especially if you're down, that you would know, oh, your savior, he's got you. And he will not let you go. Trust him. Let's pray.
Father, thank you that you are in charge. We do not deserve you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the wisdom of Ecclesiastes and our own inability, the absurdity of life that we cannot figure out. Lord, we humble ourselves. We acknowledge it's true. Even the wisest of us And Lord, we bow before you in amazement and wonder that you have declared that you love us. Lord, we know you've proved it. Forgive us that we have such a tough time trusting it. But Lord, even right now that your Holy Spirit might continue to work in us to stand on the promises that you've given, to believe your Son. And Lord, we're so grateful for what you've done for us. It's in your precious name we pray.